0: man that I am who will set me free from the body of this death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on one hand I myself with my with my mind am serving the law of God but on the other with my flesh the law of sin. Let's pray real quick. God I pray as we take a minute to talk about cutting off the dead weight in our lives. Cutting off some of these habits and issues and dysfunction and in areas in our lives that we really need to tackle if we want 2016 to lead to us having the momentum we want to see, so we together as a group can have the impact that you're calling us to have. I pray that we, as we look at your scripture, will not only understand you better, but come to understand ourselves better. We thank you for that in your name. Amen.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: habits are interesting. The psychology of habits are even more interesting. Habits make up about 40% of your life, all right? How many of you guys remember the first time you backed out of the driveway? Anybody remember the first time and you were like checking mirrors and slowing down? I remember the first time I backed out of the driveway. The house I grew up in Portland is on on a hill, right? And my dad, at the, at the time I started learning to drive, we had a new car and we had a car that my dad was trying to sell. The new car he was super proud of it was my mom's car that she really wanted. It was a Toyota Camry sedan, right? A blue, navy blue Toyota Camry sedan. My dad, the car he's trying to get rid of, is a Ford Ranger, and it's gray, all right? And he really, he had his eyes on this dream truck, and he's trying to get, but to sell the Ranger first. So my friend, who was younger than me, came over to hang out, and I was like, let me show you the promised land. I can drive now, you know what I mean? And so we get in the car, it's in the, it's in the garage, because my dad... How many guys had, like, your dad had to do an annual purging of all this stuff in the garage, right? So my dad had just done one of those so we could actually park a car in the garage. What a novel thought. So I hop in the car. I go to back down the driveway. My dad is standing at the bottom of the driveway telling me how to do it. See, our driveway was narrow. And so you had to kind of scoot your way around my dad's truck in order to make the bottom. Remember, the camera is blue. My dad's car is gray. All right? I'm in this blue car, and I'm backing up, and I misjudge where the back end of the Camry is. And I feel the blue Camry hit the gray Ranger, all right? Now, this is where it got worse. I thought in my mind that I changed into drive. I was still in reverse. My dad is standing at the bottom of the driveway with his hands like this screaming at me. My hands are white-knuckled on the steering wheel. I am literally scraping down the entire length of my dad's truck with a blue Camry on his gray Ford Ranger. Back in, and I can just hear it now. My friend is screaming, You're not going the right direction! And I'm like, I can't stop! And I'm just backing down. I'm looking in the rearview mirror, eyes locked with my father, right? And, and he's just like, what is going on? Now, I can back out of driveways now, no problem, right? Totally fine, most of the time. And it's because I've built habits around it. That is why some of us, when we leave, we're halfway down the road, and we ask, like, did I lock the door? What was happening, right? That's literally a habit. It's the psychology of the habit. And yet there's this spiritual aspect to habits. Some of us have areas of sin and dysfunction and hurt and pain that are habits that we don't even see anymore. Because they've become so ingrained in our head. Some of us are lonely and the way we fight loneliness is we jump from relationship to relationship. That's a habit. Some of us, when we don't feel like we're in control, we we look at stuff we shouldn't, or we say stuff we shouldn't so we can feel in control. That's a habit. Some of us, when we feel sad, we turn to anything we can to try to take the feeling of sadness away. It's a habit. And there is this very real spiritual aspect to the habits that make up our lives. And some of us, we've started 2016, and until we open our eyes to these habits, and we see these issues that we can no longer see. They're so ingrained in our life. We say words like, oh, that's just who I am. Or that's just, a kid. That's, just that's just my personality. And we treat as final things that were never meant to be final. They're really habits that we have the power to change. And I want to unpack, first of all, the practical side of habits tonight. And then I want to merge it with the divine. See, there's this really cool thing called grace that we believe in that gives us a chance to take things that we believe are final and change the way we behave. Grace allows us to change these habits that's impermanent that we struggled with for years. And I really believe tonight that if we go on this journey correctly, not only are we going to see some stuff that we haven't seen in a long time, but we're also going to have an understanding on how to tackle them and begin to change. I think this is important as we start. This new year. See, we come to this idea of habits, especially in areas of dysfunction and pain and hurt, one of two ways. And, and you can write these down. One of two ways that we fall into sin and they become habits. The first one is this, a misconception. A misconception. Either we hear wrong, learn wrong, taught wrong, but we come to the belief that our bad behavior is okay. And it's interesting because these two types of sin are tied together. There's a misconception that leads to bad behavior. But then some of us, we know good and we choose not to do it. That is an essence and definition of sin. That is bad behavior. And these two things go hand in hand. We can have a misconception that leads to bad behavior, or we can start with bad behavior, but the only way to settle that is to have a misconception. See, we can have bad behavior because we didn't know better, but if we know better and we choose not to do it, if we choose not to do good, we end up in a spot now where we are stuck, where we have to reconcile, I know good, but I'm having to choose that maybe what I thought was good isn't good. And we have to land on a misconception. We have to come to this understanding like Paul did, where, hey, I know good, and I choose not to do it, and I, it, he's struggling with, I either say that this is bad and I deal with it, Or like some of us, I allow it to go on so long it becomes a habit that I've accepted is just okay. That's a challenging thought, that we have areas in our life where they are bad. And when we started partaking in them, we were convinced that they were bad. And yet we've been doing it for so long that we call it normal. It's a misconception. We either struggle with misconception and we struggle with bad behavior, and the two of them go into each other and they both lead us to be blind to them because they become a habit that are so in our lives. I love in Psalms 139 verse 23 and 24 it says this, search my heart O God and know me, test me and know my interest thoughts, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. When it comes to changing who we are and changing our behavior, There is this aspect that we can engage God in that says, hey, I don't see it anymore. I may see the fruit of it. I may know deep down inside it's not okay. But Holy Spirit, God, can you point out to me these areas that I'm no longer seeing that are habits that I really need to deal with? So let's get into the psychology of the habit. I'm going to draw you a picture tonight. Your habits are made up of what is called a habit loop. This is what psychologists call it. I feel really smart for being able to explain this to you. All right? Psychology of a habit, they are made up. Write this down. It's called a habit loop. The first step in your loop is called a cue. All right? Cue. C-U-E. All right? Some of us may call it a trigger. Right? We, We all know if we struggle with anger, spending a lot of time around a family member we don't get along with, that's probably a trigger, right? Some of us, if we struggle, if we struggle with loneliness, spending time around the couple that can't get off of each other is probably a trigger, right? If we, struggle, if we struggle with overeating, then going to a buffet is probably a trigger, right? If we struggle with being late, then hitting the snooze is probably a trigger, right? So these cues, these cues are really real. It's the thing that tells you to grab the keys on your way out the door. It's also the thing that tells you to compromise when you know to do better. And this is the interesting thing about our cues, is we cannot change those. A lot of us spend a lot of time trying to change our habits by changing our cues. You cannot change what you're exposed to. We can a little bit, right? Some of us, we may just decide to live like hermits. I'm going to hole up in my room and read my Bible until Jesus comes back. That is the only way, for the most part, to control your cues. But this is the problem. Some of our cues are internal. Some of our cues, if we're being honest, start within us. It's not an external thing that gets us going. It's an internal one. So we start with cues. The second step in the habit loop it's called a routine. That's supposed to be an error.
1: There
0: you go. <laughs> routine. So I encounter a cue, right? Let's just take, for example, eating, right? I'm hungry, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm lonely. It really doesn't matter. I have trained myself when my emotions are out of balance, I eat. Some of us have trained ourselves, when I'm lonely, I'm going to start flirting with someone so I feel wanted. Some of us have trained ourselves, i get a paycheck, I'm going to spend all of it. Some of us have trained ourselves, I'm angry, so I'm going to lash out. Some of us have trained ourselves, I'm full of passion, and so I'm not going to hold any boundaries. It's a cue. It starts with, wow, this is welling up within me. I feel this engaged. And what happens is we... Step into the routine. The third component of habits is the reward. And this is what really fuels a habit. Okay, I've become aware that I want to buy something, right? I don't think about the fact that routine to buying something is using my credit card because I'm so focused on the reward of having something new. I'm so focused on what I want to feel. And this is the interesting thing about habits is a lot of us don't even notice the routine. We just notice the reward. A lot of us get cued by the fact that, hey, I'm lonely. The reward I want is someone sleeping next to me. And I don't notice the steps I have to go in between to make that happen. And the routine is so ingrained in our head that it literally allows us to sin without thinking about it. It allows us to miss the mark without thinking about it. I don't feel like I have good enough stuff, so I'm going to rack up my credit card. I'm not going to notice I'm racking up my credit card because all I'm noticing is the fact that I feel like I have good stuff. And this is the dysfunction we live in. The science behind this is incredible. They did this thing on monkeys, all right? They put monkeys in a high chair. Stick with me. I have a point, right? Monkeys in a high chair. They put a TV screen in front of them. Every time they saw an image, they pulled a lever. When they pulled the lever, they got a tree. They would have these monkeys do the same thing all day for days in a row. And they would watch the activity in their brain. The monkey would see the cue, the image on the screen, and immediately the reward part of his brain was activated. They would take away the reward and he'd get angry. They would play and put monkeys all around the place. They would even put better rewards around the room. And the monkey would stay in the chair and keep pulling on the lever. Some of us, our habits are so ingrained in us, and we've accepted a subpar reward. And we've told ourselves, I'm lonely, so jumping from relationship to relationship is the best reward I've ever done. Or we've told ourselves, I don't feel in control. And looking at that thing I shouldn't be looking at that gives me the feeling of control, that's the best it's going to get. Some of us have told ourselves, I have to have this stuff, and so debt is the best it's going to get. And we live in this cycle that we don't even see anymore because we've accepted it as normal. And it's this conflict between the two natures that Paul describes. He says, I have this dead weight on me. You look at that culturally, what he's explaining is in in his time, there were these tyrants and to punish people, what they would do is they would make someone go dig up a freshly buried body. Hey, I want you to go to the grave and you're going to dig up a freshly buried body and then you're going to strap it to yourself. And you would literally live with a decomposing body strapped to you back to back. That's that dead weight that Paul is talking about. We live with these habits like they're dead weight. And we see the thing that we want, right? And we set lofty goals and we say we want to change, and yet we feel the dead weight of all these habits that we don't see. So let's merge the divine with this now. The science can't explain it. The science of habits can't explain it. The fourth component, if you really want to change your habits, the first thing you have to do is learn to change your routine. When you get cued, because again, some of our cues are internal, some of them are external, but when we get cued, we have the right to choose to change our routine. Wow, I really want to go eat right now. Take a walk instead. Wow, I really want to text that girl. Text a friend instead. Wow, I feel out of control. Go work out instead. We can change the routine, but even changing that isn't enough. The component that scientists can't explain But the thing that really changes habits is a word called belief. See, we can work all year long on becoming self-aware and saying, wow, I jump from person to person because I have commitment issues. When I feel threatened, I bail out. We go year after year and we notice our routines. We notice our cues. We can even figure out why we're doing it, the reward we're looking for. Self-awareness is not enough. People fall back every time. This is science. Time after time, test after test. And this is the thing. As Christians, we do a bad job because we kind of convince ourselves, okay, I'll admit I was a bad person and I needed Jesus to save me. But I'm on my own from now on.
1: When
0: we take out the fact that the belief that saved us is the belief that should fuel us to become more like Christ. We leave it behind. So this aspect of belief, I have to come to the fundamental conviction that if I do the right things long enough, things will change. And this gets hard if you're not believing in something bigger than yourself. If, if I have to believe that by my sheer willpower, power, I'm going to spend a bunch of time doing the same thing over and over again so I get a different result, that's the definition of insanity and a lot of us try to call it change. A lot of us spend a lot of time doing the same thing over and over again, getting the same result, and we're saying, no, this is what's going to change me. There has to be this element of belief, and I would argue the belief has to be placed in Jesus. I would argue the belief can't be based in the reward you want to see, right? I have this picture. I'm working really hard to get in shape. I have this picture of Brittany and I on a ski boat, and I am ripped out of my mind, right? (laughs) I have this picture The picture itself, I cannot believe in the picture itself enough to get me there. I have to have belief in God. Go with me to Romans 8 and we'll wrap this up. Romans 8, we'll jump in in verse 24. For in hope we have been saved, and by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? Verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to praise we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings to do for words. Verse 27, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Belief. Belief that at the end of the day, things are going to work out okay. Belief that even if I fall down, even if I fall back into the old routine, belief that if I am working with God, things are going to work out okay. Some of us get frustrated and fall back into the same routines and the same habits because we don't see change quick enough in our minds. And we negate the small victories that we're seeing. Habits change moment by moment by moment by moment. Decision upon decision upon decision. A lot of us don't give ourselves enough credit for the fact that what used to knock us out doesn't knock us out anymore. Mm -hmm. Don't give us enough credit for the thing that we used to call a personality issue, or at least we're aware of and trying to work on it. That in itself is growth. Some of us are not the person we used to be, but because we aren't where we want to be, we keep tapping out. We negate the fact that hope is built on, I can't see it yet, but I'm still headed towards it. I haven't laid my hands on it yet, but I'm not going to stop chasing it. And I love what we see in Romans 8. Not only is that hope piece there. See, faith is the belief in things not seen. Faith is the vehicle that carries your hope. I have faith in God. Because I have faith in God, I still have hope. That things are going to change. That's not only it. See, this is the cool thing. This is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Not only can we ask the Holy Spirit to make bright in our lives these areas that we don't see anymore. These blind spots of sin that we've accepted as normal. But the Holy Spirit's job is to put our soul back together and unify it towards the cause we're chasing after. The Holy Spirit's job, even when we're laying down in bed and our mind is full of a fog of all the things we're frustrated about ourselves with. I don't like the fact that I look this way. I don't like the fact that I behave this way. I don't like the fact that I do this thing. I don't like any of that stuff. The Holy Spirit, I love it. Even when we don't know what to say, what to do, where to go, the Holy Spirit still speaks to Jesus on our behalf. The groaning's too deep for words. I don't even know how to articulate how frustrated I am with this area of brokenness in me. The Holy Spirit is saying, No, I get it. I'm in you, working within you, working through you, and now I'm going to connect you with Jesus. Why is that important? Because it says later in this chapter that Jesus sits at the right hand of God interceding for us. So even though we feel so broken, belief in the fact that things could change because God is on our side, that can change a lot. The second aspect to belief is this, and this is scientifically proven, is that hanging out in a place like this, BYUA, in church, with the right groups of people, This is why things like AA works, because community breeds belief. It really does. This is the power of church. You get enough people around you that Jesus is working, right? Hey, I'm headed in the right direction, and I used to struggle with this, and I used to have an issue with that, but this Jesus thing is working for me. If we see that enough, we might just start to buy in the fact that Jesus will work for us. This is the power of church, and I, I want to take a moment and kind of combine this personal belief thing with this collective belief thing. I want to worship. We're just going to sing a song and a half. Only we'll be a couple minutes. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? There's something really powerful when we all choose together as a group to pause for a second and worship together. And I would encourage you to spend time in devotions and pausing your life every day at some point, I don't care if it's in the morning, really doesn't matter. What really matters though is that you pause every day to worship yourself and get your soul right. So there's something powerful about us all collectively pausing and changing our attention. See, a lot of us, we talked about it earlier, a lot of us are trying to attack our dysfunction on our own. A lot of us are trying to attack these bad habits on our own. And we know outside of God's grace, it's not, not going to happen. we got to have God's grace to change our routines. But when we all pause together and take our eyes off of trying to do it on our own, and lift our eyes to the God who can really make it happen and not just individually but together There's something really, 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 really powerful to that happens. So I would encourage you, why don't you close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment. going Brittany and Teresa are going to lead us in worship in a second. Could you ask yourself this question just for a moment? Just internally, just inside yourself? God, Where am I not seeing a bad habit? Where am I not seeing this thing of dysfunction that I call normal? Where am I not seeing harmful routines in my life? Where am I not seeing that? I I really, really believe that God is going to make bright in your life that area tonight. And as we worship, could you just lift that up? Just say, God, I'm taking my eyes off, trying to fix it myself, and I'm choosing to focus on Your grace. Your grace that can really change this for me. Your praise will ever
1: be on my lips,
0: ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my
1: lips. Like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old, your love is enduring, through the winter rain, and beyond the horizon,
0: with mercy
1: for today, faithful you have been. And I call
0: a little bit. Some of us have been convincing ourselves that these habits, these routines that we're in, they're not that big of a deal. And I got to be honest, it's a misconception. It really is. It's leading to bad behavior. Some of us have convinced ourselves that these issues of dysfunction is not that big of a deal to God. It's really not hurting anyone but me. I'm the only one who's being hurt by this. And we miss the power of the collective. This is where it really starts to change. If I would be willing to humble myself, it says in James 4: God gives a greater grace. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Drive near to God, and he will draw near to you. If I'm willing to take the step and say, okay, God. It's a big deal, I'll admit it, it's a struggle. I'm not beating it on my own. I gotta be humble. I'm willing to take that step. If we could get a group of people that could take that step, God, I need help to see victory in this. I need help to change my routines. If we get a group of people willing to do that, we can start really changing stuff. That's the power of the collective, momentum and growth in me will always lead to growth in us. It'll lead to growth in your friend group. It'll lead growth in your families. It'll lead to growth in your workplace. It'll lead growth here. Momentum and growth, if I'm willing to humble myself and say I want to grow, I want to change. I want to see these routines change. Not only are we gonna see a better reward, we're gonna see a lot of growth, a lot of success stories. Why? Because my story of being humble might be exactly what someone else needs to see. My decision to give it up, to let go and let God, as cheesy as that is, might be the very thing that leads to someone else choosing to see some growth in their lives. Scoop out your head and close your eyes one more time. I just want to pray for you tonight call you up. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. If there's an area in your life that you're realizing, hey, I got a bad routine here. I'm settling for a subpar reward. I got a bad thing going on. you just put your hand on your heart? No one's looking around. I'm not going to call anybody forward. I'm not going to call you out. I just really want to believe tonight that as you step out in faith, hey, this, what I'm believing this is showing tonight is, hey, God, I need some help. God, I'm stepping out in faith. This is the great thing about our step of faith is God always responds with grace. God always responds with what we need to change. I'm going to believe that that starts tonight. God, we pray for every single person in this room, every human in this room. God, we all have things, whether we're aware of them or not, that we're settling for a subpar reward. We have this routine that we've accepted as normal we've convinced ourselves this is the best it's going to get. I I pray tonight that the Holy Spirit would make bright in our lives these areas of dysfunction, these areas of sin, and and these areas of missing the mark. These misconceptions, these bad behaviors, God, I pray the Holy Spirit would make light those areas, not so that we feel defeated, but so that we can flood them with your light and your grace and your power so we can truly see Authentic change. God, so that we individually as members will begin to grow and see momentum, so that we corporately, collectively, can start having a bigger impact on our communities and our families and our friends. God, we thank you so much that you do not call it quits for us, but you are in the business when we're willing to engage you in faith and respond to your grace. You're in the business of working everything together for good. God, even the areas in our lives that we look at and say, what good will come of that? God, we're excited to hear the stories of people that said, I thought I was defeated and stuck in my habits, but by the grace of God, I've grown and changed. I pray God that the stories that start tonight of growth and momentum and change would spark belief in other people. God, that we would not be selfish with our story. We wouldn't be selfish with our struggle because when we're willing to admit that we're struggling, there's other people that can, that can join along with us and really begin to help us see change and world Thank you so much for how good you are. We worship you. We love you. You are great. You're greatly, greatly to be praised. We pray that that would be our focus moving forward. God, that we wouldn't try to hide and shove down and pray stuff into the light, so we can see growth and change, and we can bear fruit, and that it would remain, that our lives would just scream the fact that Jesus works, and that would be what comes off our lips. We thank you so much for that, we worship in your name, amen. Hey, if you need prayer for anything... Uh, We definitely have people here who are totally willing to pray with you. We have leaders all over the place. So uh, just grab someone and and have them pray with you. There's something powerful about joining and agreeing in prayer, right? But other than that, hey, have a great time. And hopefully we see you Sunday at church. If not, we will see you next week on Thursday night.